Hey, good morning, Sojourner. Um, it's good to see everybody online. It's been a while. Uh, it's been about a month since I joined you guys in worship. Um, I just want to say um, I'm, I'm doing much better, I think, um, at least much more functional. I'm not perfect yet, but I uh, just want to thank you for just keeping me in your prayers and um, just being thoughtful of me. And also want to also just uh, give thanks to to James, Pastor James, for being able to cover for me this long. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm back in the saddle again. And, uh, you know, I just continue to pray for not only my health, but the health of the church. And uh, for those of us here who are joining us today in worship. Um, and so it's been a while. So I'm, <laughs> I think I need to warm up to kind of get back into to preaching again into the, uh, into the computer. But <clears throat> Um, I don't know if you remember, but we, uh, before I started my break, we, we were looking at 1 Corinthians, and uh, we were just about to get to some, some good parts, right, some, some juicy parts, and, and um, rather than just picking up on that, well, I think we'll come back to that in a few weeks, but rather than picking up on that uh, right away, I, I decided to uh, take a little mini-series here and look at these verses here in Hebrews chapter 10. These are famous verses here from chapter 10, verses 19 to verse 25. And, and what I want to do is I want to spend today and probably the next two Sundays looking at this passage. And part of that reason is, um, you know, every sermon I prepare, I try to preach it to myself and to see hopefully that not only is it relevant to me, but hopefully it's relevant to all of us here. Because let's be honest, right now, um, our country... I don't know how you feel, but I don't know if it's the best place to always be living in right now. We, we're living in a crazy time at this time. I mean, you know, everybody's wearing masks. Um, everything's on Zoom or online. Uh, everyone's still, you know, trying to keep our distance, you know, social distancing. And, and now the school started. If you've got kids, you know, it's, it's like it's like a whole new way of learning and, and teaching. Um, work, it's it's... For some of us, it's it's still uh, unpredictable. Uh, many of us still working from home. The economy is unpredictable. The politics is just crazy right now. The social injustice is, is still rampant, and it's ridiculous. And and in the, in the whole COVID thing, our, our health and the health of the nation, there's just so many uncertainties, and it, it starts to wear down on you. And then on top of all that, you know, you've got your own personal stuff, right? You've got your own personal concerns, your worries, your anxieties, your, your own health issues apart from the, the virus. And, and, and sometimes you just want to break, you know, you, you just, you just want to break from all of this and uh, just maybe get away, but you know, you really can't go anywhere, um, but you want to break. And what I want to share with you from our passage today is more than just needing a break, um, we need perseverance. We need, we need perseverance. We need to be encouraged to, to just keep moving forward and do that with not only just strength and wisdom, but with hope. And, and that's, I think, what this passage is really about. You know, when we were younger, at least if you were in my generation and growing up as a Christian, you know, we thought we were the passion generation, right? Uh, that, that as a Christian, you know, we wanted to be passionate Christians and go all out for God. And, and that's, that's wonderful. And if you're like that, that that's great. But to be honest with me, um, that's not me. I'm not the same as I was when I was in college. And, uh, and as I look back on it, I think more than just being a passionate generation, I, I, I really think 
We need to be a persevering generation, a persevering generation. And this is what the book of Hebrews is, is really about. It's about perseverance. He's talking to a group of Christians who are tempted to kind of just give up, uh, to kind of just stop. And he's writing this to give them a sense of hope, uh, to give the church a sense of courage and a reason to persevere. There's a lot of teaching here in the book of Hebrews, and it's complex. It's complex theology, complex doctrine throughout the book of Hebrews. And you might ask, well, you know, why does Christianity have so much doctrine, so much teaching? And the reason is because, at least in the Bible, there's a, there's a close link between good theology and, and faithful Christian living. Theology basically says, this is who God is, and, and this is what he did, or this is what he's done. And Christian living says, this is what you are to do in response to that theology. And so if you want to live as a Christian, if you want to be a faithful Christian today, then you've got to know some good theology about who God is and what he's done. On the other hand, if you know all this theology, it's not worth anything if you don't practice it. It's just head knowledge, right? And so as we come to chapter 10, some of you might be glad to know, because maybe you're not so theologically inclined, that I'm skipping all of that theology. I'm coming to chapter 10, uh, at least for now, uh, and look at verse 19. And all of that deep theology that Hebrews is teaching is summarized basically here in verse 19 in one word. Therefore, therefore, okay? That word, therefore, is basically saying all the stuff that he was teaching and writing about, all that doctrine and theology that he was t uh, uh, teaching the church is now summarized in that one word, therefore. Because of all that, right, because of all that doctrinal argument and complex theology, I want you to do this. This is where he gets practical. The writer now draws up practical implications uh, about what he's been teaching, about who Jesus is and what he's done. Okay, and that's why he begins our passage with this word, therefore. Now, this is how we're going to do it today. Today is going to be sort of more of an introduction. It's, it's kind of me trying to break in again to, to preaching, but it's an introduction to this passage and looking at a part of it, okay? But this is how we'll do it. Two and three, okay? Two and three. Think about this, all right? In verse 19 to 21, he tells us two things. Two things that ought to be absolutely mind-blowing to us about who Jesus is and what he's done. And then in verses 22 to 24, he gives us three things, three things that we are to do to encourage us, to hope, uh, uh, to give us hope and to help us to persevere, all right? So two and three, two things about what God has done in Jesus Christ, and then three things about what he tells us to do in response to those two things, okay? So in verses 19 to 21, two things about who Jesus is and what he's done, it's spelled out for you in our passage, and it begins, each of these things, each of these truths, these two truths, it begins with the word since, since. Now, what are they? Well, in verse 19, the first one says, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus that is through his flesh. In other words, the first truth here is this. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, by his blood, through his flesh, you and I, we have direct access to the presence of a holy God. That's what he's saying. Okay, that's the first truth. The second truth is this. In verse 21, he says, Since we have a great priest over us. So the first sense, we've got access to God. The second sense, we have Jesus, who is our priest, 
who is our priest? These are the two truths, all right? Now, then he tells you three things in response to those things, three things that you and I are supposed to do. And that's found in verses 22, 23, and 24. And you can find these things by simply using the word or finding the word, let us. Three let us's, you could say, are found in this word. The first in verse 22, therefore, let us draw near. That's the first one. Verse 23, the second one, this is what you're to do. Let us hold fast to our confession. And then the verse 24, let us consider one another. Okay? And so basically the author of Hebrews is saying this. If you understand these two truths, you've got access to God. Since you've got access to God, since you, you have Jesus Christ who's your high priest, if you believe in this, right, if you trust in this right now, you've taken that in, it will change your life. And it will change your life in these three ways. You'll draw near to God, you'll hold on to your confession, and you'll consider one another. Okay? So basically, that's it. I've summarized the whole passage for you. And so, you know, if you're falling asleep, you can go to sleep now because that's, that's what I've done. And, you know, you go back to your lunch or whatever you're doing right now that I can't see. Uh, but that's what the summary is. This is where we're going, all right? And so we want to look at this. And what I want to do is unpack maybe some, first of these two truths or a couple of these truths and look at the first implication of that, uh, the call to draw near. And the first thing that the author of Hebrews wants us to see in verse 19 to 21 is this. Everything is wrapped up in this person, Jesus Christ, in who he is, uh, in what he's done, what he came to do, and what he accomplished and finished on our behalf. The whole of Christian life is wrapped up and based on the work and the person of this Jesus Christ. And he begins this passage by saying, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. You and I have access to God. Now, here's the thing. What's the big deal about that? Right? That's what you might be thinking. We got access to God, all right? I can go to God anytime. In prayer, in the word, I, I do it all the time. What, what is, what's the big deal? Right? And here's the thing. This is why it's so crucial. Here's the question you've got to ask yourself. What makes you think you have the right to just go to God anytime you want? What makes you think that God is obliged to listen to you, right? to be open to you, to be available to you anytime you want? What makes you think that if there's a holy God out there, right, who created the universe and you're just a creature, one of many creatures that he's created, what makes you think that you could actually go to God right? Anytime you want and have access to him. I mean, think about it. You know, I'll give you an example. Many of us, at least myself, maybe we're not happy with our president, right? And maybe we've got a few ideas, a few things that we need to tell him. What makes you think you could go to the White House, knock on his front door and say, hey, you know, Mr. President, I, we need to talk. What makes you think that he's going to open that? He's not going to do it, right? You're not going to knock on it. He's not, you're not going to knock on his door and he's going to let you in. It's not going to work like that, right? And then the same thing in the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, even in our book here in Hebrews, earlier in chapter 10, even if you were a believer in God, you just couldn't go to God, right? Remember Moses when he sees the burning bush and there's the presence of God in the burning bush on Mount Sinai. And as he's getting closer, what does God tell him? Well, you better stop. Take your shoes off. Right? Because you're not holy. This is holy ground. 
Don't get too close. You know, if you don't like social distancing, God had his own social distancing, but it wasn't because of COVID virus. It was because of his holiness and it was because of our sin. He said, let's keep some distance. That's who God is. And later on in the Old Testament, when they had that temple worship, you know, the, the way they worshiped in the temple, they had this area in the middle called the Holy of Holies, and no one could get in. But that's where the direct presence of God was. No one could go into there. No one could see God in there, the Ark of the Covenant that was in there. And only the high priest could go into that room once a year. And they call it Yom Kippur. But you couldn't go in there if you were a Christian back then. You couldn't just walk into that place and see God. You didn't have access. You couldn't get near but what does it say in our passage today? It says this, you have now confidence to enter the holy places. You have confidence to come in and fellowship with this holy God where he is, to experience his special presence. And that's an amazing truth. That ought to be an amazing truth for us. That's the first truth. That's the first sense. Now, you've got to ask, how is that possible? How did that become possible? And the reason why we have access to Holy God now is because of the second truth in our passage, the second sense. It's because we have a great high priest. Think about this. Under the Old Covenant or in the Old Testament, the believers who loved God and trusted Him, they were all required as a part of maintaining their relationship with God, they're all required to offer sacrifices, right? Because of their sin, they had to make a sacrifice to atone for their sins. And if you were an Old Testament Christian back then, uh, and you believed in the promises of God and what he said in Genesis 3, what he said in Genesis 12, the promise he made in Genesis 15 and 17, over and over again in the Old Testament, you had to offer your sacrifices because of your sinfulness. In other words, it was your duty it was your duty as a Christian to offer sacrifices back then. But in this passage, we're reminded that now all of us who follow Jesus, all of us who came after Jesus, believing the promise of God, trusting in Jesus Christ, right? Knowing the gospel, embracing it, we don't offer sacrifices anymore. Why? And the answer is because of the second truth. Because Jesus is your high priest. Now, what do priests do? They make sacrifices on behalf of the people. But the only difference here in Hebrews is this. The author of Hebrews is telling us that Jesus, your priest, he doesn't just make a sacrifice for you. He is the sacrifice for you. He is the sacrifice for you. And that's why it says in verse 20, by the new and living way, he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, we have direct access into the holy presence of God because of his sacrifice. You have his blood, you have his death, and because of his sacrifice, you've been given confidence. Confidence to come in and be with God, to meet with God, to know God face to face. You could come in because of the once and for all perfect sacrifice made for you. You could come into God's holy presence and you don't have to make any more sacrifices to get access to God. That's a wonderful truth if you really think about it. 
since you have Jesus as your high priest who made himself a sacrifice for you, you have confidence to come in and to be with God. Now think about this. This is why this is important. In the Old Testament, it was your duty to offer sacrifices. But now, in the New Testament, in Jesus Christ, uh, for us, what's your duty? Your duty, remember this, your duty is not to offer sacrifices. Your duty is not to offer sacrifices. Then what is it? Your duty is to instead depend on the sacrifice that God has made for you. That's your duty now. It's your job as a New Testament Christian, as a New Covenant believer, to believe and trust in the sacrifice that he's offered for you. This is so important for us to understand. It's your duty not to offer sacrifices now. That sounds weird, isn't it? But that's the duty now as a New Testament Christian. Now, let's be honest. The idea of, of making sacrifices to a God, it, it sounds foreign to us, right? We, we don't make literally sacrifices anymore like this. Uh, but, but think about it this way. This is why it's important. Let's say, let's say you, you know, you're, you're working out, right? You're exercising, trying to keep, trying to keep in some kind of shape during, during this COVID pandemic. And uh, you promised yourself, you made a commitment that you're going to work out every other day of the week, right? And so you're doing that faithfully, but then one day you, you missed your day of workout, all right? And you missed maybe the next day of workout. And so what do you do? Well, you have the God of working out. And so because you missed your promise, you're making up for it and saying, hey, next week, I'll just do consecutive days. Next week, I'll do an extra day. Next week, I'll do more hours and put in more time to the working out. And so you make a sacrifice, so to speak. You know, it's the same way with dieting. Let's say you're on a diet right now and you say you've promised yourself, you committed that you will faithfully commit to a diet uh, every day. But then that one day, you had pizza, the next day you had hamburgers, you know, the next day. And so what do you do? Oh, you know, I, I, I failed the diet. And so what do I do? I need to make up for it. Right? I failed the God of diet. And so I'll offer a sacrifice. The next day, I won't eat anything. And the day after that, I only eat a lettuce or salad or whatever it is. And so this is the way we think with our, even with our relationships, our friends, our, our loved ones, you have a close relationship and you've disappointed that person. What do you do? Well, I'll make it up right? I'll get that person a gift. I will do something really nice for that person. I will try and somehow to kind of make up and get back in to that relationship in the right way. And this is the way we even think with our faith, right? If they've committed to some Bible reading and you say, you know, I'm going to read the Bible every morning, but then one day you miss it and the next day you miss it and you start feeling like, oh, you know, I'm just such a bad Christian. So what do you do? You feel tempted to make a sacrifice, offer up an extra hour of Bible reading, maybe do it again the next day and do a little bit longer. Uh, same time, same thing with your prayer life. You see how this is working? You could believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You could believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Even if you believe that, when you still sin, when you still stumble, you still feel like you need to do something to kind of make up for it, to get back into God's good graces, so to speak, to make a kind of sacrifice of your own. You feel like you've got to bring in your little token to kind of get back in. And what the author of Hebrews is trying to tell you is this. As a New Testament Christian, because of what Jesus has done, he has already provided 
all the sacrifice, all the work that you will ever need to be in with him. This is so important for us to understand. Even if you're here this morning uh, listening and, and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ or you're an unbeliever and part of that is because maybe you feel like there's a lifestyle that you have, there's a, there's a sin that you've done that, that kind of just keeps you from, from being a, a Christian, keeps you from accepting him or him accepting you. And I want you to know this, if that's you. It's not your sacrifices. It's not your work. It's your faith in somebody else's work, your faith in a high priest, in his work, his sacrifice, once and for all. And because of that, not because of you, you've got 24-7 access to this God. Okay? Now, this doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything to live a Christian life, but that's what God did. And now the author of Hebrews gives us three things that we're to do. Uh, not to get in with God, he's done that part for us, but in response to the grace that we've received as we are with God. And today I'm just going to give the first two, uh, of those three, and then the next following weeks we'll look at the second two. But the first thing he tells us, which we've already hinted at already, is this. The first one is this. Because of who Jesus is, because of the confidence we have of getting into his presence, because he is our high priest right now, okay, the first one is this. God wants you to draw near to him. Look at verse 22, or listen to verse 22. He says this, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. You got to understand how radical this is. Before, it was, don't come close. Don't come close. Stay away. Let's keep our social distance, right? But now, in Jesus Christ, draw near. Come close. Get real close into my presence and be with me, draw near to me, right? Here, the author of Hebrews, he's basically saying this, because of Jesus Christ, God wants you to draw near to him. Now, here's why this is important. This is something that we have to do. You know, I, uh, I have a gym membership, which of course, I you know, haven't been able to use. I think they just started opening some gym time uh, recently. But, you know, I had the gym membership for four years now, but in the past year, I haven't been able to really, really go, right? Um, I had access to the gym, but I didn't make use of the access. You understand? You could have access to something, but you never make use of it, right? And the author of Hebrews is saying this in his implication. He's saying, look, this is what God has done to get you in to give you access to him right now. Therefore, make use of it. Get in with him. Draw near to him. Spend time with him. Come to him. Don't neglect him. If you believe of everything what Jesus has done and the life that he has given, right, the sacrifice that he made, if you really believe in that and what he's done for you, therefore then, let's draw near to him. Why? It's not just for God, it's for your blessing. We need that. We, we need that. We need to draw near to him. You know why we need this? Here's why. Have you ever been around any person or group of people that make you want to be better? That, that just make you want to change? You know, maybe it's with your mom or your dad, maybe some family member. Um, maybe it's your spouse, your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Maybe 
maybe, you know, you're a certain way, kind of selfish in one way, and then you had kids, and that changed your life. Now you're living for someone else, right? Love. Maybe someone you admire. These are relationships that when we find ourselves in them, it changes us. It can change us. And the reason why we need to make use of access to God, to, uh, to get into his presence, to draw near to him, the reason we need that is because this is a relationship with a holy God that can change us, that can change us. John Calvin in his book, Institutes of the Christian Religion, used to say this, if you really know God, then in comparison, you'd know yourself and how much you need him in your sin. And if you really knew yourself, you'd really know how holy God is, right? And it goes, it's a two-way street. And when you understand who this God is, there are two responses, two responses you could have to him. In your sin, the first response is, you would run away from him. You will say, like Isaiah, uh, I am a man of unclean lips. You might not even like the idea of this, this holy God. You might disdain him. You might deny him. You might think, oh man, he's just too judgy, too judgmental, and just live and live, and I don't like the idea of God, and I don't want to go near him right? That's one response. But the other response you might have, if you really know this God, you're not going to run from him. You'll run to him. You'll run to him. Why? Because look at what Hebrews says. He says, look at what this God did for you. Your great priest made his life a sacrifice for you to bring you into his presence. Now, this is kind of cheesy. During this time, uh, yeah, especially in the past month, I've been pretty much, you know, in bed. You know, I, I, I need to work out. I need to exercise. And I've been trying, but it's hard. But it, it's been tough. You know, I think uh, I'm going to have to start wearing Spanx pretty soon because it's just like, yeah. Anyways, um, so I have a lot of time in it. I'm just watching a lot of Korean dramas. That's, that's what we do. And this is kind of cheesy. But think about this. You know, those typical dramas where the guy is always chasing the girl, right? But he's always getting rejected. And then it's only towards the end of, of, of the series that maybe the girl has a change of heart for some reason, a, a real change of heart. And she goes to the guy, but rather than the guy coming to him, what does she say? She says to the guy, hey, I, don't come to me. This time, right, I'll come to you. I'll come to you. And she walks to him or runs to him or whatever it is. And it's, it's a happy, and you know, you know how it's pretty sappy, but Here's the thing. If you know what this God has done for us, you're not going to run to him, uh, run from him. You'll run to him. Why? Because he ran to you first. You didn't somehow pick up your bootstraps and say, oh, I'm going to get some God and I'm going to get into him, right? And I'm going to be faithful to him. No. What did he say? What is Hebrews saying? Jesus says, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to go after you first. You can draw near to me. I want you to draw near to me because... I'm going to draw near to you, not with anger, not, not with judgment, but with love and mercy and grace. I'm going to give my life for you. This is the kind of God we have. And when you realize this about this God, you're not going to run away from him, the God of love and mercy who gives us a life for you. You're not going to ignore him, but you're going to want to draw near to him. You'll want to get in to this God's presence and his holiness in order to get yourself out of your sin. You want to get into this relationship with God, to draw near to him, to get me into his love and into his mercy. 
that changes us. And it's a relationship that's, that's not theoretical, not some abstract idea of God with a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts, but it's a real relationship with a real God who can change you. You got access to this holy God every day. So the author of Hebrews says, therefore, draw near to him. And here's the irony. This is something we need to really consider. Because in the Old Testament, people wanted to draw near to God, but they couldn't. And yet today, oftentimes as Christians, we can draw near to God, but we don't. We don't always want to. We neglect to. Sometimes we forget to, and we take it for granted. But if you want to persevere, you don't just want to be passionate, but you want to endure, especially during these trying and difficult times, we need to draw near to God. And the author of Hebrews is saying, we can. We can. We have that assurance. No matter what's happening around us, no matter what's been done around us, no matter what you've done, I want you to remember this. You have confidence, verse 19. You have full assurance, verse 22. Not because of you, but because of Jesus for you, you have confidence and assurance that God has made himself 100% available to you 100% of the time. And if you believe this, don't neglect that. Don't be discouraged, but draw near to him. Get close to him. How do you do that? In his word, through prayer, in genuine fellowship with other believers, in worship, even though it's online. There are many different ways, but draw near, draw near. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled and clean. I pray that's what we continue to do during this time. And I pray that we are given the hope to persevere. Let's take a moment to pray.